and go to the book of Judges chapter 16. While you find Judges 16, I just remind you that tomorrow evening resumes as it is every Monday evening, the women's Bible study. And ladies, if you've missed one or two weeks, just come back in and jump in there again. Jesus, the one and only Bethmore series. Tomorrow night's men's discipleship. Guys, if you miss one or two, come on back. And if you haven't been at all, come on. Prayer and discipleship are the options on Monday evening. We got some unfinished business from last week. And I, after preaching in the first service, I think that we may even do some more of this next week. But I want to speak to you on Judges chapter 16, beginning of verse 21. And where we find ourselves at this point of reference is in the middle of a story about a most familiar Bible person whose name is Samson. And verse 21, it reads like this. Then the Philistines took him. This would be Samson. They took him and put out his eyes and brought him down to Gaza. They bound him with bronze feathers and he became a grinder in the prison. However, the hair of his head began to grow again after it had been shaven. Verse 23. Now the Lord of the Philistines gathered together to offer a great sacrifice to Dagon, their God, and to rejoice. And they said, Our God has delivered into our hands Samson, our enemy. When the people saw him, they praised their God. For they said, Our God has delivered into our hands our enemy, the destroyer of our land. The one who multiplied our dead. So it happened when their hearts were merry that they said, Call for Samson that he may perform for us. So they called for Samson from the prison and he performed for them. And they stationed him between the pillars. Then Samson said to the lad who held him by the hand, Let me feel the pillars which support the temple so that I can lean on them. Now the temple was full of men and women. All the lords of the Philistines were there, about 3,000 men and women on the roof watching while Samson performed. Then Samson called to the Lord saying, Oh Lord God, remember me, I pray. Strengthen me, I pray, just this once, O oh God, that I may with one blow take vengeance on the Philistines for my two eyes. I think I hear Samson saying it this way. Please, on the screen. It can't end this way. No. And if you know his story, he was destined for a different kind of ending. And here in this moment of greatest humiliation, in this moment of great tragedy, there was a rerun of a video in his head, if, if I can describe it that way, of who he was meant to be. And he wasn't that now. Somehow in his desperation, he said, Lord, it can't end this way. I'm talking to some people here this morning whom the devil have said over you. It's going to end another way than you dreamed and prayed about. And I'll be there to laugh at you like the Philistines were Samson. But God's saying over you, it don't have to end that way. 
There's some people about their marriage. There's some people about their finances. It's going down a certain way, and it looks bad. There are some people listening to me this morning who have certain issues in their private life. Certain uh, fleshly stuff that has not yet been conquered. And if it is unconquered, it will go a certain way. That will be without God, without hope. But, but this word says it doesn't have to end that way. Stretch your hands towards this pulpit and I'm going to stretch my hands to you. Let's be one in prayer for the anointing. Because if you pray for me, I'm, I'll do a much better job. And if I pray for you, we'll all be one together. And while I'm not here to do a job, God, I'm here to obey a calling. And I have preached in the first service, but this is a different service and a different people. And, oh God, we are all, however, common in our need for the visitation of God. We all are common in our need that we wrestle with our flesh and the devil. And sometimes our flesh and the devil seems to win. Some are without hope, and the devil has told them all kinds of things over their life and their family. But I pray by the power of your word and by the obedience of our hearts and our lives that, God, it won't end the way Satan's planned. I speak blessings and favor, and I speak anointing over these moments of your word together, that the devil won't steal what you have for us. And if that's what you would agree with me in prayer for, would you say amen? Amen. And I am grateful that you may be seated. Please keep your Bibles open to this passage. I don't want to spend a lot of time in the introduction. Let me just give you where, where I feel the Spirit heading, leading us. Without a doubt, Satan has a plan for your life. It began in Eden, the garden, with Adam and Eve. Without a doubt, God has a plan for your life. It began in Eden with Adam and Eve. It continued at Calvary. Here's how Jesus describes the plan that the devil has for your life. And the plan he has for our life. It's a familiar verse of scripture. It's found in the gospel of John chapter 10 and verse 10. And Jesus describing the devil called him a thief. Which of course you know he is. Can I get a witness by faith or by experience? Jesus said of the devil, the thief does not come except to steal, to kill and to destroy. That's the devil's plan. Jesus, speaking of himself, says, I have come that they, all of us, (laughs) I'm included in they, I'm one of they, that they may have life and have it more abundantly. I like Jesus' plan for me. I say this to you, and you've heard some of this before, and I don't want you to think I'm just getting off in some positive mental attitude thing, but I'm getting off in the word here. I'm saying this to you, that God has singularly handcrafted every one of you. I mean it. When God made you, He didn't make you from some kind of mole in heaven's oven and everybody just went through and, you know, took and just made us all the same. God has singularly handcrafted every one of us and He has selected us for favor, healing, prosperity, and eternal life. But Satan is doing everything in his power to keep you from having the things that God delights to give you. I I say this, Satan wants to distract you 
from God's promises and blessings. And if you get distracted from God's blessings, you'll be detoured from your final destination and potential in God. I, I don't know the best way to describe this except by telling you about Samson. Now, there's probably not a one of you, if you've ever been in Sunday school, you've been in church for any length of time, reasonably, that you haven't heard this story. But the Holy Spirit brought me to it again because it is not a desire to be redundant. But there are so many truths in God's Word that sometimes we miss at the first or second hearing. Let, let me tell you about Samson. The Scripture tells us in chapter 13 that before he was even born... He was destined for greatness. We're told that an angel appeared to his mother. His mother was barren, meaning she had borne no children. But now the angel told her that she will conceive and she will bear a son. She'll have a male child. In verse 4 of that chapter 13, the angel said, Please be careful, meaning speaking to the mother, Please be careful not to drink wine or similar drinks and not to eat anything unclean. Verse 5 It is said to the mother of the would-be son that she would have that no razor shall come to his head for the child shall be a Nazarite to God from the womb and he shall reign or begin to deliver Israel out of the hands of the Philistines. Get this. Here is a woman who could not bear a child but now God is not only going to give her a son but he is not just going to be an ordinary son. He is going to be a Nazarite. A little bit of study reveals that the word Nazarite comes from the Hebrew word Nazir. And the word Nazir means to separate, consecrate, or abstain. Samson's mother was said, your son is going to be so special. I am going to separate, consecrate him to my purposes. And he'll abstain for some stuff because it will be to his benefit. As you observe this unique blessing that God's going to give to Samson's mother and father, uh, I, I have come to understand that there are three disciplines by which a Nazarite lives. The first of which is a Nazarite must be committed to avoiding wine or other fermented drink, period. Have nothing to do with or come near the fruit of the vine. The second of the three disciplines under which a Nazarite lives is that he is to never touch a dead body of any kind, humans or animal. And then the third of the three commitments would be that let your hair grow and never cut it for as long as you live and you are separated by God to be a Nazarite. Samson's mother was told what to do prior to his birth, and she was told how to raise this boy so that he could be everything that God intended for him to be from the womb throughout his life. I have a word for parents, especially mothers. I believe that you start dreaming over your child from the moment you know he or she is on the way. Am I right? Uh, Moms... Wouldn't you agree that every time as you carry this child in your womb for the nine months of pregnancy, uh, every time that, that, little, that little child in your womb kicks or turns, I believe that you feel and know life is there and whether you say it out loud or not, you begin to have hopes and dreams of what this child could be 
Amen, church? Oh, I, I, I tell you, every time I hold Lakeland, our grandson, did I tell you we have one? <laughs> Almost eight months old. Every time I hold Lakeland in my arms, and of course, I'm the favorite of his choice among the entire family, and I can understand that. Every time I hold him, I, I uh, say a prayer over him. I mean it. I, I may not say it loud, but I'll say something over Lakeland to speak into his life. Dreams and visions. I don't know if everything I say is going to be. I told somebody the other day he's going to be a fighter pilot. And he's going to be the quarterback for Georgia Bulldogs. It sounds like they need one. And he's also going to be a Holy Ghost preacher. I'm speaking into my grandson. Kimberly and JC got their own men now. They can speak into them. I got my grandson now. Yesterday, uh, I was holding him and walking him a little bit because he got a little sleepy and, and rubbing his little eyes. And so I walked him a little ways and I, I was singing, Everybody ought to know, everybody ought to know, everybody ought to know who Jesus is. And while I think the little guy's going to fall over on my shoulder, he started looking and going <laughs> and laughing. And he got more awake than he did sleepy. Samson's mother said, God has already told me my boy is going to be special. Now, I don't know where you are as an adult and a parent or a grandparent. I don't know what your genealogy has been. I don't know what your family tree has been. I don't even know what generational curses, if there be any that might have been in your family. But I tell you, if you got a child or a grandchild and you have opportunity to be with them, you need to speak over them a future that is powerful and that is God-centered. Somebody ought to say amen. Some of you adults may be thinking, well, my life is going where it did. My grandfather was this way. My grandfather was that way. And my grandmother was the other way. And our family's always had this kind of going on. I'm telling you, you may not be able to change your destiny. And yet I believe you can. But you can speak over your sons and your daughters and your grandson and your granddaughters. Life and not death. If you believe it, give the Lord some praise here, somebody. Because Samson's mother and father did everything prior to his birth that the angel told him to do, God blessed them with this son. And as long as Samson kept the Nazarite vows, he was mightily used of God. The scripture would say of Samson that when the Spirit of the Lord would come upon him, he would do extraordinary feats. On one occasion, the Bible says in, in chapter 14, verses 5 and 6, the Bible said that there he was uh, on his way between one destination to the next, and a young lion, a young ferocious lion, sought to make Samson his prey or his future dinner. And the Bible said the Spirit of the Lord came on Samson, and with his bare hands, no weapons, he ripped the lion apart as one would a small kid goat. you got to remember about this about Samson. He was not the incredible hulk. Oh, how I have wished I could have been the Incredible Hulk. You ever got yourself in some real serious mess and you're thinking, boy, it's time for me to turn green. You ever seen uh, the veins begin to pop out and your head begin to shake and you get bigger and taller and more powerful? You know, especially when the spear of slap comes on you and you wish you could be the Hulk. 
you're laughing, but you, you, I'm glad I hadn't been the Hulk because when I got down to normal size, I'd be in jail. <laughs> Samson wasn't, he didn't work out at Atlanta Fitness. Nothing wrong with working out there. He's just an everyday, ordinary guy. The difference of Samson was the spirit of God would come on him. Another time the Bible says that in chapter 14, verse 19, that he was able to kill 30 of the enemies single-handedly when the Spirit came on him. You talk about a superhero in chapter 15, verses 5 and 6. In order to avenge himself of his enemies, the Bible says he went out and caught 300 foxes. Can, 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 can I get a witness? I don't think he had no duck call, turkey call. One man catches 300 foxes. He pairs them up together. Tail, uh, 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 he divided them, I mean, two by two. He tied their tails together. Put a torch in between their tails. You, you thought about mad fox, foxes. He lit the torches and let loose of those 300 foxes paired up into the grain fields of the Philistines. And they ran all through the fields and burned down the fields of the enemy, burned down their vineyards, burned down their groves, and even their storehouses. And he could do all that because the Spirit of God would come upon him. Oh, oh, there's more. On one occasion, he took the jawbone, the jawbone of a donkey, and the Spirit of God came upon him. And with the jawbone of a donkey, he was able to kill 1,000 of his Enemies. Ah, oh, my, my, my. Same chapter, same man. Verse, verse 15. The Bible said the Spirit of the Lord came upon him. Actually, actually it's chapter 16. And he was in a city that belonged to his enemies. And he stayed there during the evening and the night. And the enemies heard that Samson, this single one-man army, is in the city. And they surrounded the city and they said, we're going to hide out during the night. And by the morning time when he gets ready to leave, we are going to capture him and kill him. The Bible says he got up during the middle of the night and he took the doors of the city and the gates of the city. And we assumed they were made of iron because iron was available then. And if they were not made of iron, it had to be made of pretty heavy timber. But he took the doors of the gate. He took the, the pillars on which the door hung. He lifted them out of their foundation. He put it on his head over his shoulder. And he climbed up the hill delivering himself because the Spirit of God would come upon him. Somebody say amen. amen. And thus was his life to a certain point. I wish I could tell you that Samson continued to live a life of great exploits for God until a good old age. But that's not the way the story ended. Matter of fact, more times than one, Samson allowed the appeal and the craving of his flesh to devour and distract him until he was eventually, prematurely, devoured. Uh, Let me show you something. Let me show you what will keep you from God's best for you. Samson's story continues. I believe that all of his life, His was a battle between the Spirit of God in him and the fleshly appetites that he still had. How many know after you get saved, God don't make you any angels? Go ahead and raise your hand because we have an altar call if you don't. I don't see any angels here, including myself. 
And even after you're saved, and the Spirit of God moves in you and lives in you, your flesh wants to do something of the old nature. Can I get another amen here? So, so what I see in Samson's descent are several things. Number one, he did not take his vows seriously. How do you know that, Pastor? I know it because in chapter 14, the Bible says that sometime after he had slain the lion with his bare hand, he was on a trip and he came back to the place where the carcass of the lion was and he observed that a swarm of honeybees had made its way into the carcass of the lion and created a hive that had honeycomb. And he was hungry and he needed nutrition. So he reached his hands into the carcass of the lion that he had killed some time back, got a handful of honeycomb, honey dripping all through his fingers and on, on down his elbow. Are you getting hungry? We'll get going in a little bit. And he, I guess he needed to have his vitamin B. Help me hear somebody. Am I anointed or what? Got a mouthful of the honeycomb and man, it rejuvenated him. He went down to his home and his mom and dad, he still had honeycomb in his hand, and gave it to them. And they ate. But the Bible said he did not tell his parents where he got it. Why? Because he broke his vow. He was not supposed to come to anything dead, human or animal. But he figured if he told his mom and daddy, they'd rebuke him. Another occasion, you remember? But he had the jawbone of a donkey and killed the 1,000. How did he get that jawbone? He had to pick it up from something dead. He broke his vow. Another occasion, the Bible says, he threw a party for a woman, a Philistine woman, with whom he should have no dealings because they were Israel's enemy. And he asked his mother and father to arrange a, a wedding for him to this woman, and his mother and father said, Samson, don't we have any young ladies among all the people of Israel whom God says we could marry? Don't we have some nice, wonderful young ladies of God that God has blessed us with that you could marry instead of you choosing somebody of the pagan faith? But he had to have his way. He broke his vow through a party and came near alcohol, fermented drink, and may have even... Indulge himself. Everybody still with me? Say amen. You see, here's, here's what happened to Samson. The bottom line is he didn't take his God seriously. I, I need all along the way here to make this relevant. Let, let me tell you that it was not the cutting of Samson's hair that made him weak. You need to remember this. It was not the cutting of Samson's hair that made him weak. It was the breaking of his vow and relationship to God. Let, let me see if I can clarify. Satan does not fill us with hatred for God, but with forgetfulness of God. That's how we start slipping. I doubt there's anybody in the service that hates God. I know we get angry at God sometimes because He doesn't explain Himself. 
I know sometimes we get put out with God because He does things without our permission. But I doubt there's anybody here in this service who hates God. You know what our problem is in Christian America and some here at South Metro Ministries? Is that we forget God. If you give me this job, I'll tithe and give. If you bless my marriage, we'll be in the house of God. If you'll bless us with a child and a baby since we haven't had the capacity to, to conceive, we will see that that child is not only dedicated in a nice white suit on dedication day, but that they grow up in the house of the Lord. I'm talking to people. I've been in one church for 25 years, so I have a little bit of experience here. I'm talking about people that I've seen God bring them from their deathbed in intensive care. And they pleaded and bargained with God. If you let me live, I'll give you the glory. And God let them live. And they found a way to recreate on Sunday. They found a way to give more time to their children, to the lake, to the beach, to the mountain. I'm not trying to make anybody mad. But I'm trying to tell you that Satan is a sly old fox. And while you may not hate God, if you forget God, you may end up like Samson one day who wakes up and realizes that the power of God is gone from his life. Somebody hear me? I I think this is the problem we have in America. We don't take God seriously. We don't think God meant what he said when he said he's going to judge sin. We think that judgment's coming in the by and by, and that somehow, like Samson, we got this special Nazarite thing going, and we okay. And I'm trying to protect you. I'm trying to tell you, it doesn't have to end this way. And the way we keep it from going into a path of destruction is that we take God seriously. Boy, how many people I could count that forget God, but when the next flood comes in, the next accident happens, the next death occurs, all of a sudden, i got to have help. Samson wasted his strength. The Bible says that he spent quite a bit of his time correcting messes he made and fixing junk He created than using his anointing and the Holy Ghost to be God's man. He made a bet with 30 30 men prior to his marriage. He, he, He made a riddle and made a bet. He lost the bet. In order to pay his bet, he had to go kill 30 men. Wasting his strength. Did somebody hear me? Yeah. I tell you, brothers and sisters, I don't mean to be unkind. I just want to make sure that you become and are everything God has for you. Every one of you here have a strength and a weakness. Can I get an amen here? And the devil would have us so distracted by by a weakness that we waste our strength. Give me another amen. Yeah. Some of you are destined to be men of God, women of God, an anointed father, an anointed husband, an anointed business person. Some of you are destined to be used of God. I don't mean you have to preach in the pulpit. I don't mean you have to be a missionary or an evangelist. Some of you are destined to lay hands on people and pray for them and God will heal them. Some of you are destined to speak into your children and your grandchildren. Some of you are destined to be used of God mightily. But we are chasing after things that rust and corrupt and decay and die and we are going to end up at the bar of God him telling us you wasted your strengths 
Samson went after wrong people, wrong substance, and wrong choices. I pray, oh God, let show me what my strength is. And let me get back on what I need to be doing. Let me show you something else of Samson. He befriended the enemy. The wrong crowd. Listen, listen, it's not on the screen. You might want to write it down. Samson was called to a life of separation, but he was living a life of fraternization. He was fraternizing with the enemy. The Lord told Samson's mother and father, and they told Samson, you don't hang around the Philistines or any pagans. But the only girls he could find, and he found more than one, are pagan girls. Befriending the enemy. Now, I know this, and you know this too, that we all are to live in this world and to be in this world and to have sinner friends. But whenever sinner friends begin to rub off on us more than we rub off Jesus on them, that's when the friendship severs. That's good preaching. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. You know, I know we can spiritualize everything. Well, I'm hanging out at the bar with my sinner friends. Uh, I'm over here at this movie. I shouldn't be with my sinner friends because God told me I should. We, We tend to spiritualize a whole lot of stuff so we can get away with junk that we ain't got under the blood of Jesus Christ. Help me here, somebody. We even patronize some people in their sins. We need to, if somebody is bad for your son or daughter, or somebody is bad for you, and you know they are, you need to pray over them and love them, but you need to cut that umbilical cord and get on with somebody else who can add to you and bless you. Some of us are trying to fix some people that the devil in hell himself. Oh, God, help me. You know that I ain't running for no office. Okay? I'm just trying to tell you, I, am, I, I see my congregation week after week play in church and play in religion. And, and, and there are some of my congregation who think like Samson, me and God got something worked out here. I can mess with the carcass of the lion and still get anointed. I could sip a little juice, wine, and still get annoyed. I see my congregation, some people in my church doing the same thing. Me and God's got a little something worked out. So that way I can just show up when I want to and if I want to. And God understands. Let me tell you something, brothers and sisters. God is not a partial father. If he asked Jeff Merriman to obey in one area, he asked Alan Matura to do the same thing. I am his favorite son and he is his favorite son. And you, I'm telling you, I'm telling you, the devil has worked out some stuff in our, you see part of Samson's problem was his stinking pride did you all hear me I said his pride oh god help me you all didn't bring no tomatoes did you cause we can have a salad hey here's Samson he allowed his flesh to dictate his destiny instead of the spirit of God can I get an amen here somebody Samson's defeat came because he would not say no to temptation. Did you hear what I said? I know that New Link, Charter.net, Comcast, and DirecTV. Where is he going with this? I don't have a clue, but I will get there. I do have a clue. I know all these media opportunities have packages when they sell you stuff. 
And some of those packages includes channels and media and entertainment that are not good for us. But it comes in the package. And so sometimes, I'm an adult, I can handle this. I'm an adult, I can handle a little drinking. I'm an adult, I can handle a little bit of a, uh, nudity and cussing. Well, I tell you, you know what happens to me if I look at a movie or listen to something that, that has nasty, nastiness in it and I go too far in that? You know what stays in my mind the most? The, the worst things. Can I, can I get an amen here? Yeah. I'm not trying to be unkind. I'm trying to tell you, if you live by your flesh, it'll kill you. Samson let his flesh dictate. If, if it comes in the package of New Link, Charter, or anybody else, for goodness sake, turn it off. Quit. Give no place to the devil. If you go out on a date, young lady or young man, and you know that there may be the possibility of going too far that might lead to sexual, sexual activity, and you're not married, you need to pray before you go on that date. You need to pray with that boyfriend or that girlfriend and say, I know we're likely to be tempted, so let's ask God to keep us from it. If he ain't interested in praying, just open the door and say, see you later, Gator. And if, he, if you do go out together after he prayed and he tries some stuff, slap the tar out of him and tell him your pastor said that you were anointed. Oh, yes. I didn't say that the first service feels good in this one. You got to, you got to, what did Kenny, what Kenny guy singing that song? You got to know when to hold them and know when to fold them. I don't have a clue what that means, but I think it means you got to know when to quit. Some of you don't want to say amen because you know what it means, don't you? Yeah. Everybody has a part in their destiny. Can you hear, can, can you hear what I'm saying? Here's what I've, I've discovered. Remember this. He was deceived by his girlfriend, Delilah. 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 I don't even like that name. I hope it ain't your name. <laughs> what mother would name her daughter Delilah? But if you are, I'll, God bless you, could be a, a new version of Delilah. No more than somebody named their son Judas, but we'll keep moving. When Delilah was paid off, can I get a witness here? The leaders of the Philistines says, we're going to make you filthy rich, Delilah. If you can find out the strength of this one-man army. You know, you know, you know I'm getting ahead of myself. They capture, they capture Samson. They capture him because, look at verse 20, chapter 16, and, I, and I'm hurrying. Turn in your scriptures, chapter 16, verse 20. Delilah said to Samson, the Philistines are upon you, Samson. So he awoke from his sleep and he went out as before at other times and shake himself free. Look at here now, listen. Uh, flesh. Do you know three other times he did the same thing when she woke him? Three other times he laid on her lap and she ran her hands over his head and his hair began to grow back. Oh, no, no, pardon me. This was when his hair was already 
length. This hair grew back after he was captured. So let me, let me get the, the sequence right. Ran. <laughs> I get these images. I got to keep moving away because I get too silly. <laughs> Girls, I was thinking if mom tried to get me seduced, she would have no, nothing to work with. I better hurry up and grow some stuff. Don't tell I say that. See the flesh? That's the flesh. I, sh- I, sh- I, didn't, I have to even wrestle with the flesh because you all bring it out of me here. He fell asleep three different times, Pastor Darrell. One time he'd tell her, this is my strength. And she would have men hidden in the room where they were together, supposed to be alone. And... One time they weaved his long hair to a shutter's wheel, and he told her, if you do that, I'll be like a normal man. They did it, and she woke him up, and Samson, the Philistines up on you. And he got up, shook himself, and the power of God came on him, and he cleaned the room. Another time she, he said, if you, if, you, if you bind me with fresh uh, 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 green vines that are not subject to decay, I'll be like a normal man. They do it, and... She, he fell asleep on her lap. She shook him up. Samson, the Philistines up on you. Bam! He broke all the vines like they were dried up vines. You know what's crazy? Is that we don't seem to learn. She tells him, if you shave my head, I'll be like a normal, everyday man. She seduces him. He falls asleep on her lap. Philistines are in the room, unbeknowing to him. Oh, he might not even know him because it's become a game with him now. You don't play with your anointing. Hello? You don't play with the favor of God. They shave his head. Please, are you at verse 20? I will shake myself free. But he did not know that the Lord had departed from him. You can get up one morning and find out when you go to work you've lost your job. You can overcome that. You can get up one day and your wife or husband say to you, it's over. And while I hate that for you, God will help you there. But the last thing and the thing you don't ever want to know is for the Spirit of God to give up on you. Did you all hear what I said? Even God says, enough, you've crossed the line too many times. And there was no power. You know, we got God. We got, we got blaming God about, look at the mess you put me in. And it ain't God at all. Three or four, five times, God says, get up. I'm helping you. Get away from this woman. It reminds me of the, of the old man who died in the flood, the great flood. When he got up to heaven, he said, God, how come you let me die in the great flood? I thought you loved me. And the Lord reminded him. You heard the story. You know, it started raining and his neighbors came and said, Hey, the, the water's up to your first step of your porch here. And this is, looks like it's a, a rain like we ain't seen before. Come on, let, let's go, neighbor Joe. Let's, let's leave. The rain's coming. No, I've lived here a long time and it'll be okay. The rain will stop. Rain got to the porch of his house. 
And he, somebody came by with a canoe because the water was so, so uh, abundant now. Mr. Mr. Joe, get in this boat. The dam might break and the flood's going to come. No, I'm okay. You all haven't been here as long as I It's going to be okay. And, and next thing you know, the water got so high, he had to climb on the ceiling, the top of his house. And, and try to wait out the flood. And the helicopter came and let a rope down and says, now or never. And sure enough, he didn't leave and he drowned. And he go up to God and say, how come you let me drown in the flood? And God said, what do you mean I let you? I sent your neighbor on foot. I sent you a canoe. I even sent you a helicopter. And here you are talking about how God let me down. That, that's, what we, that's what we try to do with God. Look what you've done to me. Oh, help me, Jesus. Listen to me. They plucked out Samson's eyes after they got him and he lost his anointing. They, they took metal or something and they plucked out his eyes. Brothers and sisters, they took chains, heavy chains, and put it around his wrists and his ankles. They took him down to a city called Gaza, a, a large Philistine city. And they put him in the prison, outside the yard of the prison, to grind grain, the work of the oxen. The oxen used to grind grain with the machine, or not the machine, but the millstone. You know what I've come to discover? When you mess with the world and the things of the world, you're going to lose every time. I'm hurrying. Look at this. The Bible says, do not love the world or the things of the world. If anyone loves the world, the love of the Father is not in him. Can I, can I get an amen here? Samson, here's, here's how he became. Verse 16, for all that's in the world, the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the pride of life... It's not of the Father, but of the world. I want you to get this. Write it down. Samson became a victim to the ones he was supposed to conquer. Did you hear me? Samson became a victim to the ones he's supposed to conquer. I have a question for you from the Holy Spirit. The question is this. Has the thing you are supposed to conquer, conquered you? Did you all hear me? Listen to me. Has the thing... That you are supposed to by now. You're in your 30s. You're in your 20s. You're in your 40s. You're a teenager. Or wherever you are, 50s. The thing by now you're supposed to conquer. Has it conquered you? Because if it has, it'll mean an unfavorable end. Here's what, here's what sin would do. Look on the screen. I'll read it for you. Here's what the devil's plan is. James 1, 13 to 16. Let no one say when he is tempted, I'm tempted of God. For God cannot be tempted by evil. Nor does he tempt anyone. Say amen. Look at verse 14. But each one is tempted when he is drawn away by his own desires and enticed. Then when desire has conceived, it gives birth to sin. And sin, when it's fulfilled, brings forth death. Do not be deceived, my brothers and sisters. You know what the word is saying here? God doesn't tempt us. We're tempted by our own desires. It drags us off. And kills us. Here's Samson's story in a nutshell. Sin blinds. How many know they plucked out his eyes? Say amen. Sin blinds. You don't have to have your eyes plucked out for you to be blinded by the devil and his deception. Sin binds. I told you they bound him with chains. Sin blinds, binds, and grinds. He grind out grain, but he ground out grief. I'm hurrying. How do you overcome this, Pastor? How do I, how do I change my destiny? 
Galatians 5.16 says, If you walk in the Spirit, you shall not fulfill the lust of the flesh. Can I get an amen here? Please, please look at me and listen to me now. I know, I know I'm, I may not be as exciting and, and a great communicator, but I'm eternal here when I say this. Do you know that Jesus never saved us and wound us up like a clock to leave us to run on our own after we got saved? He has given us the power of the Holy Ghost. God has given us resources that hell cannot penetrate. We have the resource of God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Ghost fighting for us. Walk in the Spirit. Can I get an amen? Every one of us have angels assigned to us from birth to death. Because the Bible says the angels of the Lord encamp around those that fear Him and love Him. Say amen. You know what else you've got to walk in the Spirit? You've got the Bible, which is the Word of God. You've got the power of a prayer life. Paul says in Ephesians 6, please put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the wiles of the devil. You know what? The whole armor of God means that I got I to gotta have a prayer life every day. Say amen, somebody. The whole armor of God means that I, I got to learn to read my Bible. I don't have to read a full chapter every day. But as much as my body needs food and liquid every day to live in the natural, I need spiritual food. I need my prayer life and I need to read the Bible. It's amazing how we have routines, isn't it? We put on a lot of stuff. We, when you leave in the morning, we all have routines. If you take medicines, you probably go to your refrigerator and you take your little glass and you put it up against the fridge and you fill it up with water and you take medicine A, B, C, D because that's how your day begins. We all have our routine. We pack up our bag, we do this, we make sure the dog has food in the, in the bowl and water and because we go through the routine. Make sure we have the cell phone. That's the routine. Pastor Jeff and myself and three others traveled to Dallas this last Wednesday and, and Thursday for our building program and for equipping in that regard, Dallas, Texas. And, and so we got to the airport. The parking lot was full, so uh, it delayed us some because we had to make our rounds through the, the, the airport, north and south terminal, to find a place to park. And by that time, I had left my phone in the, uh, in the cup holder of the car. When I got to the line, security line, and we were about to go through, I said to Pastor Jeff, I forgot my phone. I want to tell you something. That was a great blessing. It wasn't the Pastor Jeff because every time I need to make a call, I used his phone. Sometimes it's good to get out of routine. You know? But you know, it's amazing how we take the medicine, we pack the kids' lunch, we put them in the car, we get their stuff ready, we take our cell phone, and we don't think to pray. We don't think to pray today. We don't think to put on the whole armor of God. We all got our routine. Some of you have yours. You don't even get yours done when you get in the car because we see you at the stoplight. You're doing. Yeah. Have you ever seen this in the morning? I'm glad some of us do that. Anyhow, not me. I don't. Here's how the story ends. You got a moment? Oh, well, I'll take it anyhow. Uh, Samson. They, they brought Samson out and they put him in the stadium. They had this big celebration day. 
They were going to thank their God, Dagon, for giving them this one-man army victory. They finally caught Samson, killed their children, and they killed some of their friends, and he burned up their fields. And they had a they had a day of partying. Three thousand people came to the stadium. And they had music and they had song and they had dance. And then at the height of the celebration, thanking their Dagon God, they said, bring Samson out of prison. Let him perform for us. They brought him out. His eyes are gouged out. He's got, he's still bound in some way. But you know, they didn't want him to perform because he wasn't a performer. They wanted to mock him. They had him in the stadium and his eyes gouged out and, and maybe somebody was out there poking at him and doing stuff and they would laugh at him because he couldn't find his way in this big ball field stadium. They laughed and mocked and jeered and humiliated him. You know what Samson's pain was probably the most? wasn't that his eyes were gone. It was his mind. I wasn't meant for this. It shouldn't end this way. If I wasn't supposed to finish like this. Shame and mockery. He gets a little lad or somebody help him back after they give him a break from laughing at him. And the lad puts him between two of the most prominent pillars of the stadium. There were men and women of renown at the stadium. And one more time, he said, God, give me vengeance over my... Let me die with them. But give me vengeance. I want to tell you something about God. He is a God of the second chance. If you've messed up, if you'll pray one more time. Can I get an amen here? If you'll be honest and true to God and return to your vows. God gave him such strength until he killed all of the 3,000 people in his last doesn't have to end the way Satan has spoke over your life. Stand, please. Oh, what a mighty God we serve. Thank you, Jesus. It's on the screen. Doesn't need to be explained. If I don't get my eyes and my mind on the right thing and focus, I'll let my flesh capture me. I got to guard my appetite if I'm going to make heaven my home. Can I get a witness here? I got to guard the people I hang with and who I let hang around me. Companions. And I got to keep my vows. Bow your heads, please. Bow your heads. It won't take me long. I hope it wouldn't. But I'm, I'm now the man standing between the living and the dead. And I'm going to ask you this morning. Is it well with your soul? Has the things you're supposed to conquer, conquered you? How is it going to end with you? Will the devil put you in his stadium and mock you until you die? Or will you stand in God's stadium and have angels shout over you? Another soul is in the kingdom. Pastor Allen, I am not in right standings with God. Sin has 
blind, bind, and is grinding me, and I want to be honest with God and say, if I die today, I won't make it to heaven. Oh, Pastor, I have not hated God, but I have forgotten. And I have not been zealous like I know I should be. I want to come to Christ now. Well, I want to rededicate my life. This is the only invitation I'm giving unless the Spirit tells me otherwise. Every Christian, pray please. Would you help me? Would you give me 30 seconds of your prayer? Would you whisper a prayer enough, a little enough, a little bit louder than a whisper so I can know that I have some folks fighting off demons? Come on, pray. We got about 20 more seconds of that. Demons of hell, you will not steal a soul. Somebody's grandson's here. Somebody's son's here. Somebody's daughter's here. Somebody's mama. Somebody's daddy is here. Come on, pray, saints. Hell, you have no citizens <laughs> coming to you from here. In the name of Jesus. Pastor Matura, I don't want to dress it up and I don't want to play games with God. I need to be born again or I need to come back to the Lord and rededicate my life. Lift up your hands if that's you. Hold it up right now. Hold it up in Jesus' name. Hold it up. I see hands. I see. Come on. Nobody else looking. I see one, two, three. Hold it up. I want to be able to see it so I can identify that we are on target. I'll see one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten, eleven. Keep it up. Twelve, thirteen, fourteen, fifteen, sixteen, seventeen, eighteen, nineteen, twenty, twenty-one. Put it down, please. Put it down. Every head bow, every eye closed. I got ten more seconds of invitation. If you didn't raise your hands a moment ago and you don't want to stand before God ashamed. And you say, Pastor, I should have raised my hand, but you give me another chance. I'm going to do it now. Raise your hand if that's you. Oh, ten seconds. Thank you. I see it. Put it down. In Jesus' name. I bless you, Lord. Every head bowed, every eye closed. Now I want to invite those also today who say, Pastor, I'm saved, but I can I, I need to draw closer to God, sir. Pastor, I, 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 I have been separated by God like Samson from my youth and other times. God is, but I have misused my strength, Pastor. I have used my strength on the wrong things and I need to rededicate my focus today. I need to get my act together. I'm, I'm saved, but, I, I, but I, need, I, I don't need for my marriage to go this way. I don't need for my health to go this way. I don't need for my, my mind to go this way. I need the Lord. Look at me now, everybody. If you raise your hand for salvation... And if you need to come and be pray and have leave a prayer in this altar, you're already saved. Leave from where you are and come up here in Jesus' name. Sing a little bit for me, would you? Come, come. If you raise your hand to be saved, or you raise your hand for your family, for your marriage, for your health, or other reasons, come altar workers and come from every everywhere. If you raise your hands, not going back. Every other person that remains, lift up, lift up your hands. Can you put it on the screen? For the... Come on, raise your hands and thank God for these who are coming. Keep coming. Keep coming. Don't you be tricked. If you raise your hand or you didn't raise your hand, keep coming. And if you're coming for your marriage, if you're coming for your Holy Spirit baptism, if you're coming for a closer walk, hurry, hurry. Sing it again. Sing it again. Lift your hands. This is a song that's also a prayer. Sing your prayer.
song play softly look at me everybody look at me all over this church whether you came for your rededication or for salvation I want everybody to repeat this prayer out loud if you're already saved it won't hurt you to encourage somebody else to say it close your eyes and you might want to lift your hands to reach up to the Lord as a symbol everybody out loud repeat after me Lord Jesus I confess that I have allowed my flesh to lead my life and in so doing I have sinned I confess that I have failed you and others today Lord forgive me of all of my sins wash them away by the cleansing blood of Jesus Jesus I confess that you are the Son of God and my Savior. Live in me. Make me a new creation. Give me wisdom. Help me to discern good from evil. I choose you, Jesus. Write my name in the book of life. Let heaven rejoice over me. Fill me with the Holy Spirit. Thank you, Jesus, for another chance. I could have been dead. It could have been over. But I'm alive. And today, I have eternal life. By faith, I will serve you. All the days of my life, I'm saved. And I confess it in Jesus' name. Amen. Put your hands together now. And let's celebrate largely. you go this is a card for everyone who prayed the sinner's prayer or rededication don't leave because i have a prayer that remains if you've done it you need to declare whose side you're on brother sammy's at the back door and he's there now and holding it up there's some in this basket here we are not interested in sending you junk mail or harassing you by getting your address but what we are interested in is helping you grow in your new faith or your dedication as sure as your spirit gets changed here, by the time you get to your car, your flesh going to tell you something else. You ain't even saved. Your flesh going to So you need some brothers and sisters to, to be around you and to help you to overcome the power of the flesh. Now here's my next prayer. Fill this card out. Leave it with Brother Samuel. Leave it at the office. My next prayer is this. It ain't going to end this way over you. Did you all hear me? It is not going to end this way over you. You are not going to have your spiritual eyes gouged out. You are not going to end up being mocked and laughed at by hell. Your children, your grandchildren, your whatever, your marriage is not going to end this way. Because God has made you a promise and He will not lie. Your business is do what I just asked you to do. You come down to the altar. You say, God, I'm available and I'm surrendered. Can I get an amen here? And so I want you now to give the Lord some praise by way of when you all when they're singing this I want you to think of these words you make all things new okay I want you to I want you to claim by faith that God has made all things new do not look at what your eyes can see or your mind can comprehend alone look to Jesus he makes all things new and I want you to speak over yourself Jesus 
I want you to speak over yourself the blood of Jesus. I want you to speak over yourself healing, joy, peace, and deliverance. Raise up your hand all over the church. Raise, begin to praise Him right now. Come on, say it loud. Lord, you make all things new. Make it new in me. Come on. Oh, praise Him. Praise Him out loud. Father, I pray over this, this group. Go ahead and sing it. Go ahead and sing it. While they sing it, God, I praise you that marriages are better. I praise you that drug addiction is broken. I praise you, God, that demonic power come on, are broken. I praise you that sons and daughters are getting out of jail. They're getting out of the wrong crowd. But alcohol is broken. Sexual sins are broken. I pray, oh God, that you that they will not die, but they will live. Come on, praise him with me. Praise him with me. Thank you, Jesus. Oh, praise the Lord. Now lay your hands on somebody's shoulder beside you and pray for them right now. All over the church. Lay your hands on somebody beside you and say, God bless us. Pray for one another. Come on. You may not even have a prayer, but let somebody pray for you. Oh, God, make it new in their lives. Come on, Jesus. Not going back. Come on, pray for somebody. Oh God, I pray you. I pray that you would encourage them. I pray that you would protect them from the devil. I pray that flesh would be subject to the Holy Spirit. I pray they would not live in fear. I pray that children would be blessed. Their grandchildren, if they have them. I pray their marriage, if they're married. I pray their child. Thank you, Jesus. Celebrate with me. Oh, my, my, my. Let me tell you. Let, let, me, let me tell you. Eyes have not seen. Ears have not heard. The things that God has prepared in you, for you. Don't live under the past. Oh, my, my, my. Don't live about what your mind can limit. Take the word and lose yourself in it. I'm telling you, God's got a 10 on your head. The devil's got a minus 10. But I ain't going to preach again. God bless you. Have a wonderful life. Jesus comes. I'll see you in heaven.